but I am grateful to be here. And uh, Joel and Morgan have been dear friends of mine and, and mentors of mine over the years. And um, this church has always been so kind to me, so gracious, so generous to me, regardless of my employment status or my attendance or lack thereof. Um, and you guys have something really, really special here. Um, I, I've missed the liturgical readings together, uh, the chorus singing, the organ. It's just something beautiful that the Spirit of God is doing here. Um, and, and I'm just grateful and honored to be here this morning. Um, I was the youngest of seven children with 10 years between the oldest and the youngest. So just to put it in context for you, when my two oldest brothers were 15, my twin sister and I were five. And we played a lot of games growing up. There were lots of chores, lots of pulling weeds. Uh, but one of our favorite games to play was hide and seek. And there were two versions of hide and seek. There was the regular hide and seek, which I loved hiding. I hated being the finder. I could never find any of them. And impatient as I was, I would quickly give up and then they'd be like, oh, you can't do that. But there was another version called sardines. And I don't know if any of you have played sardines, but if you have littles, I strongly implore you this week to play sardines with your family. So the game of sardines works like this. It's hide and seek, but when you find someone, you hide with them. And I will never forget the day that I found my twin sister crouched on top of the oven in the kitchen. And we got to laughing so hard it became a problem. Uh, <laughs> use your imagination as you will. But, but hide and seek. Um, this morning's text reminded me of hide and seek. And really the first ever hide and seek game was in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had made the wrong choice and naked and ashamed and afraid, they hid. And God said, Adam, Eve, where are you? If God is omniscient, all-knowing, doesn't he know where in fact they are? He does, but he knew there was power in owning our own stuff and vocalizing, God, I'm hiding because I'm ashamed. Um, this text this morning, I'm going to be looking at the first half of it. And um, it's really quite a simple text, almost too simple. We have 10 virgins, each with a lamp, who have gone out to meet the bridegroom. Uh, weddings are really fun. Weddings are also a tremendous amount of work. Um, I was in a friend's wedding a few years ago, and it was beautiful, and it was out of town, and it was a long day, and we had to be there early. And I'm like, it takes me 20 minutes to get ready. I don't understand and, the color was horrible for my skin tone. I looked like a washout jellyfish. And um, <laughs> they brought us lunch finally, and it was like little finger sandwiches. Like, it was a bite. And then they said, oh, we've got chips coming. They were veggie straws, which are just colorful pieces of styrofoam. So <laughs> if there are any young people or even older people in here this morning planning your wedding, if you love your best friend, please do not ask them to be a bridesmaid. Okay, that's what your frenemies are for. But in the context of the scripture, thanks for coming to my TED talk. All right. In the context of this passage, though, there's 10 virgins who are going out to meet a bridegroom. And we know right off the bat that five were foolish and five were wise. They fall asleep, as we all do sometimes when waiting. And when they awoke to the cry that the bridegroom was there, 
Even though all ten had lamps and were waiting in anticipation, not all ten were ready. In fact, five had no oil, and they begged for oil. Offered no oil, they left to go get some, and upon their return, they were too late. The bridegroom had come and gone. One bridegroom, five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We're going to look at the differences between the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Let's look first at the five wise. The five wise had lamps with oil. They met the bridegroom. They were welcomed in and they were known. The five foolish virgins had lamps, but no oil. They did not meet the bridegroom. They banged on the door and pleaded for mercy. Yet they were told to leave because, quote, he did not know them. So Jesus says, ready or not, here I come. We must daringly ask ourselves this morning, which virgin am I? The oil represents being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there evidence of the Spirit's work in your life? Is your life marked by the fruit of the Spirit we find in Galatians 5? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The tendency to answer that question, is your life marked by the Spirit, is, well, yes, of course, I have the Holy Spirit in me. But where there is no evidence, one cannot be sure. We cannot possibly be full of self and full of the Holy Spirit. So which are you full of? And notice that the fruit of the Holy Spirit evidenced in our lives is not measured by the checks we write or the company we keep or our church attendance record or all of the things we do. Yes, those are wonderful byproducts of the fruit of spirit, right? If we're not selfish, if we're others focused, we're going to give to the work of God's kingdom. But often the harder part to do is that internal work because we can't do it. I cannot produce joy in my life. I can't order some long suffering today with my HEB click and pull order. It would be nice. It's just not possible. That is only a direct result of the Spirit's work in our hearts and in our lives. And that has to come from active engagement and participation with the Holy Spirit, meaning I have to be willing and open to letting the Spirit of God work in my life. And frankly, sometimes that's hard. That's uncomfortable. That takes time. That takes stillness. That takes quiet. 
That takes facing the ugly reality sometimes of our own depraved, wicked hearts. Most of us in the morning when we wake up don't look in the mirror and say, oh, gosh, I look rough. Like, yeah, I look good. I'm ready to go. Because we're afraid sometimes to see the only, the, the true reality of our hearts and how we really are as humans. Ask anyone in my circle, they'll tell you, I am not patient. I lack that fruit. And God keeps putting me in situations where it's hurry up and wait. I can't grow it on my own. I can't figure it out. I can be mindful and aware of it. I can pray about it. I can read scripture about it. But at some point, I have to yield to the Spirit's work in my life. So is your life marked by the fruit of the Spirit? Where there is no evidence, one cannot be sure. Let's keep digging here a bit. For most of us, we look ready. We have our lamps, if you will. We wear the right clothes. We say the responsive readings. We sing the songs. We give our money. We do all the things. But could it be that in doing these things, we lack the most important thing, intimately knowing and being known by our bridegroom? I had a professor once in Bible college that said, if you ever get so busy serving God that you fail to know him, stop serving God. As a young, naive Bible college student, I was like, what? Now I get it. Because our yes is a no to something else. God doesn't want your hands of service or your feet of travel. God wants your heart. And your heart is only given in the intimate places and spaces of your life. If Jesus showed up today and you embraced him, would he say in response, I don't know you? Have our prayers become so formal and our worship so routine and our Bible study so predictable that we've somehow shut the Holy Spirit out? That's only a question that you, together with the illumination of the Spirit, can answer. But I plead with you, ask the hard question and sit in silence with it. Be uncomfortable with yourself. Be uncomfortable and exposed and naked before the living God. The one who sees all and knows all anyway. Because if we can't do that, we will never be honest with ourselves. And we will never allow anyone else to be honest with us. Sit with the tension of that. Look at your life. Is it marked by busyness and to-dos? Or is it marked by the work of the Spirit in your life? Be honest with yourself. Be honest before God. The time to get it right is now. It's not tomorrow. As Pastor Joel mentioned earlier, there was an unexpected death yesterday. No one saw that coming. God did. Scripture says that our days are numbered. They're ordered out before us. Your pumpkin pie can wait today. Your house decorating can wait. This is the most important thing. And please notice where the five foolish virgins looked. They looked to the wise virgins, pleading with them for oil. That's a wake-up call to us to stop looking to our pastor or our pastor's wife or our Sunday school teacher or our best friend or our Bible study group. Stop looking to everyone else for what only comes from God directly himself. 
People sometimes get this misconception that somehow Joel must have a closer connection with God because he's the pastor. What Joel has access to, you have direct access to. You just have to plug in and download it for yourself. That's why some of us are so weak and we're so fragile and we're spiritually lacking because we don't spend time in that secret place with the Lord. As John 15 says, abide in me, hide yourself in me. Intimacy isn't developed in 10 minutes in the morning just to check it off your to-do list. It's a daily walking and talking in the seasons of life and the ups and downs and the great moments and then hard moments, always giving thanks to God the Father. He wants you. He wants to know you. He wants a personal relationship with you. You are responsible for your own oil. Your pastor is not. Not paid to say that, by the way. He wouldn't even look over my notes, which was a whole other level of stress. You are responsible for your own walk with Christ, not your spouse. You are responsible for your own growth and sanctification. Your church is not. God forbid the doors of this church close one day. Would you know how to feed yourself? Would you know how to get into the word and rightly divide it and study it and apply it to your life? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter, or verses 13 through 18, and consider these words. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. How are you preparing yourself for the return of Christ? Do you have your lamp? Is your wick trimmed? Is it full of oil? Will the bridegroom look at you and know you from the time you've spent with him in the secret place? Maybe this is a season to shift. Shift from spending time getting ready for church to instead getting ready For his return. Shift from spending time polishing our outside to asking spirit to clean up our insides. As Psalm 139 states, God, cut me wide open. Search me and know me. See the wicked way within me, O God. Shift from spending time talking about the church to instead praying for the church. Shift from arguing and debating our political differences to finding the common ground we can build on. Shift from living our lives focused on us to living life intentionally focused on the good of others. If you know Jesus and if he knows you, you will want to be found by him. If you don't, or if perhaps your view of understanding of him is skewed, you'll want to stay hidden. 
Which virgin are you today and how might you need to shift so that in place of dreading that question, you are prepared? We had a school event the other night. And it was a long week and I was barely I barely had any go go juice or joy left in me. I said, all right, Lord, you got to help me. Had a real simple job. All I had to do was sell the cotton candy and popcorn. And uh, a gentleman came up and he bought two bags of popcorn. He paid $5 and he smiled. He said, you just keep the change. He walked away and I instantly thought, goodness, I sure hope he likes that popcorn. That's always going to write some Yelp review, right? And then I was instantly reminded. Father spoke to me in that moment. Tara, that's how much Jesus loves you. That he paid way above and beyond anything that I was worth. Anything of my value. A wretched, selfish, prideful sinner. And Jesus paid it all. And he didn't just pay it all. He paid it all with a big old grin on his face. It says, I believe in the book of Hebrews, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and its squirm and its shame. For the joy set before him. The joy set before him was you and I and a right relationship with us. It was if I had asked my entire life, does Jesus actually care for me? Am I even wanted by the bridegroom? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jesus loves me because he's obligated to, right? I mean, he's the son of God and he is love. So yeah, of course it would be like taboo if Jesus was like, nah, I don't really love you. But see, when someone actually loves you and they like you, it changes everything. I have the dumbest jokes in the world, and I'm convinced that God laughs the hardest at him. Because that's just who he is. I don't know how he keeps up with numbering our hairs. I lose like five a day randomly. I don't know. Maybe I have bad shampoo. But it says that he numbers our hairs, and and I'm one of like 50 in here, and and we're just a small pocket of people across the entire world. And, And how on earth does God keep up with those details? Because he loves us. He knows us. He wants to know us. Christ paid everything on my behalf, not just the bare minimum. I often think, what if the blood of Jesus could only pay for the freedom and redemption of 500 people? What if it only applied to people of a certain skin tone or socioeconomic background? didn't. The blood that Jesus spilled out was as much for Hitler and Hamas as it was for me. And I am no better than they are. I'm as wretched and sinful as they are. Not one drop of blood did he withhold for my good. You see, Jesus doesn't just love me. He actually likes me. And Jesus doesn't just love you as though he is obligated. He actually likes you warts and all. He is not an accuser. He is not a shamer. He is not a condemner. He loves us and he wants us to grow and and to be sanctified and to look more like himself. But are you ready for his return? A.W. Tozer said this, 
It is no secret that the devil hates our joy in the Lord and will strive with all his power to rob us of this holy delight. Nothing bothers the devil more than a Christian delighting in God's presence. When was the last time you delighted in God's presence? Not out of obligation. Not because you felt bad because everyone else was enjoying it and you were a bump on the log, so you figured, oh, I better at least clap my hands. When was the last time you actually delighted in being known and seen and loved by God? Because when you have that, you have everything. Everything else is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Perhaps this is why our gatherings have grown stagnant and stale. We've made more room for the enemy of our souls than the lover of our souls. Every yes is a no to something else. Are you saying your best yes? What is it we need to say no to? Exchange, consider, ponder, shift, know, and be known. I'm going to close in prayer, and there's an old school song I want to lead us in, and I'm only going to stay mic'd up for the first sentence. You're welcome. I'm, I'm hoping some of you know it. But uh, the first time I heard it, the African Children's Choir came to my church when I was eight years old. And I was fascinated. I was gripped. These little kids that looked nothing like me, they sang this song with such joy and exuberance. I said, I want to know what they know. And my entire life has been a slow process of discovery of what they knew. The song is called Soon and Very Soon, so I hope you'll join us and then we'll finish out. Let's close in prayer first. Father, so often I have lived my life focusing on all of the things that don't matter. God, tunnel vision on the things that go wrong, anxiety about the things to come, more worried about if my outfit looks okay than if my heart is pure before you in worship. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I thank you for the way that your spirit reveals our hearts before you. God, help us to be ready for your return. Not just to look ready. God, we all have our lamps. But God, some of us this morning lack that oil. God, our lives are not marked by the evidence of the Holy Spirit. God, help us. Shape us and mold us. God, get rid of the things in our lives, the the habits, the, the hobbies. God, anything that gets in the way of us knowing you and being known by you. God, would you shift that? And would you help us to be bold, to to just lay that thing down at the foot of the cross? God, help us to be alert. Help us to be ready. God, give us a zeal and a passion in our hearts to make heaven crowded. God, that it would be like good news on the inside of us that we can't contain. God, pit people in our path today, this week, who don't know you. And God, give us a boldness and a courage to tell them about you. To tell them the wonderful news of a God who is so good and a God who is so holy and a God who is so pure would love someone and like someone like me and love someone and like someone like them. God, make us ready for your return. 
We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.